Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Some of you have already, I can tell, eaten a pumpkin pumpkin pie in preparation. It's good. Thanksgiving this week. All right, stand up. Hold your Bibles up high. Welcome all of you watching online. Uh, Honor and privilege to have you. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanking God ahead of time is always a good thing, and uh, we are thankful for you. Uh, today's special day, we've got some, a couple of very special people to meet. Uh, Susan's uh, uh, oldest daughter, uh, youngest daughter, Leah, and stand up, Leah and Jonathan. These are lovely people. I want you to see them. They're, they're, they're getting married in, in February. And I love them because it's a destination wedding, which means we don't have to put up with a lot of people. <laughs> and it's in a beautiful place. I think everybody ought to do destination weddings myself. I would do a lot more wedding ceremonies if they did. All right, so anyway, you'll see them after service. Probably just say hi to them, greet them, and uh, tell uh, them how wonderful her mother is. Because that benefits me too. Okay, so anyway, it's all good. Yeah. And she is. She's great. It's great. We'll be doing a series entitled Thankful 30. Uh, to, to try to get all of us uh, prepared, uh, not just for the Thanksgiving season, but better prepared for life. Thankful people are happy people. Thankful people are typically not critical people. Critical people are usually people who are not thankful. They can't stop themselves from complaining and always whining. And if you're just thankful, I promise you, you'll be drug tested. It's so new in our world today that somebody's actually grateful because we live in a society where everybody seems to be somewhat entitled. Am I right? If you have teenagers at home, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you don't have the right teenagers at home, I can tell. Well, turn your Bibles, if you would, to Psalm chapter, no, to Revelation chapter 4, Luke chapter 19, and I want to read some things uh, that might help us uh, become more thankful. One, I'm thankful for the teenager who's not uh, who is not doing dishes but is watching TV because that means he is at home and not on the streets. Good to be thankful. Thankful for taxes I pay because it means I'm employed. Everybody seems to complain about taxes, but if you're paying taxes, you're getting a check. Okay? I'm thankful for the mess to clean up after a party because it means I've been surrounded by friends. I'm thankful for the clothes that fit a little too snug because it means I have enough to eat. Should change that to more than enough to eat. I'm thankful for my shadow that watches me work because it means I'm outside in the sunshine. I'm thankful for a lawn that needs mowing, windows that need cleaning, and gutters that need fixing because it means I have a home. I'm thankful for all the complaining I hear about the government because it means we have the freedom of speech. A little too much. I'm thankful for the parking spot I find at the far end of the parking lot because it means I'm capable of walking and have been blessed with transportation. 
I'm thankful for a huge heating bill because it means I'm warm. I'm thankful for the lady behind me in church that sings off key because it means I can hear. <laughs> Not in this auditorium. <laughs> I love it, by the way, and great job, Tyler. Tyler does everything. He plays bass. He plays lead. He runs sound. I don't know. There's nothing he doesn't do. For, I'm thankful for the pile of laundry and ironing because it means I have clothes to wear. I'm thankful for the weariness and the aching muscles at the end of the day because it means I have been capable of working hard. I'm thankful for the alarm that goes off in the morning hours because it means I'm alive. And finally, the inbox for too much email because it means I have friends who are thinking of me. We have a lot to be thankful for and sometimes... Uh, because of consequences, difficulties, circumstances in life, we lose an attitude of gratitude. Paul told the church at Thessalonica, he said, be thankful in all things. In all circumstances, be thankful. The person that rubs you the wrong, wrong way is rubbing off some of the, the edges of your life that need to be rubbed off. The Bible says, iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. If you're not uh, around people that annoy you a little bit, you're not around the right people. You ought to find people. Just go out and ask somebody, would you annoy me? I need to become better. <laughs> We're always looking for people just like us, and life gets really boring if everybody's just like us. You know, it's, it, as a pastor for longer than I can remember, the most difficult time for pastoring used to be during election years, presidential election years, because everybody has their opinions about everybody. I just thought, can we just be happy? Can I just tell you all something? Whoever gets elected, God's not surprised. And that really irritates both sides. So there you go. The reality is we can be thankful in all circumstances. And being angry, being bitter, being critical is never going to change anything but your blood pressure, and it's going to go up. We need to learn how to be thankful. If somebody's different than you, somebody's mean to you, somebody has an attitude uh, uh, about you or about someone that you believe in, it's okay. You can just smile and say, you know, the wonderful thing about our country is we can believe what we want to believe, we can say what we want to say, and I don't have to get mad about it. And it's so very difficult because our flesh battles against the spirit. Uh, a few weeks ago, I began by talking about the three natures of man. You have a sin nature, you have a human nature, and you have a God nature that's available to you. Every one of us is born into sin. Our natural DNA, because of the fall of man, there's not one person that's ever been born except Jesus himself who's perfect. And so the reality is we can address that sin nature, which is original sin, not behavioral sin. Original sin is something we're born with. Behavioral sin is something we have to live with. And no matter if you get born again or you give your life to Jesus, it doesn't matter. You're going to sin. The beautiful thing is that Christ himself addressed that sin nature. There's not one thing you can do to conquer it except surrender your life to the one who conquered it. And that he came uh, to this earth to take care of that for us so that we could be forgiven forever and ever and ever. Now that shifts us to the human will. The human will is that the residue of original sin that still influences our lives to do the things we want to do, to be self-centered, to be selfish, to think only about ourselves. And Paul said, why is it I, I do the things I don't want to do and don't do the things I want to do? That's the battle between the Spirit of God and the flesh. You and I will live with that the rest of our lives. I don't know how many times throughout the day or the week, there are times I go, Mark, 
that was so dumb. And there are times I cross the line and say, Mark, you're so stupid. That's crossing the line because you're not. You're not stupid. You're not dumb, but you do dumb things. Can I get an amen? amen. Thank you. I thought for a moment I was in the wrong church. This is Mosaic where if you're not a mess, you're around people who are, so welcome. We just go ahead and admit it right up front. And so uh, you have this human nature that you will deal with. And that human nature, oftentimes when somebody hurts it, when somebody is angry and somebody hurts you, the human nature says, I want to hurt you back. And, and it doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. There will be people at the gate with you that you're going to look at and say, you're going in? <laughs> and, and you better shut up because you're not in yet. And you need to get happy about people that, that you didn't like. That Oh, I'm so thankful you made it to heaven. Because Jesus is standing like right inside and he's listening. And so we need to realize that, that there are beautiful differences in the world. And if we can recognize that and be kind to people who are unkind, uh, it'll make all the difference in the world. Uh, you see, if you're unkind and you're unforgiving, it doesn't hurt the person you're unforgiving toward or the person you're unkind toward. It hurts you. You know, it's like the person who drinks battery acid and expects the other person to die from it. If you drink it, you're the one that dies from it. If you hate people, if you're unforgiving, you're bitter, all of those things, it's only going to hurt you. At the end of the day, it becomes your crisis. You cannot allow other people's opinion of you to change your opinion of them. You get to choose how you feel toward people. So our human nature can be apprehended by surrendering to God and saying, God, I need the God nature. The God nature is full of grace and mercy and love. That's that nature that surprises everyone. When someone hits you on one cheek, you turn and say, you know, the other one needs to be the same color red. But that's not how our flesh wants to respond. In my neighborhood, you hit me, I'm going to hit you back. And I'm going to hit you back harder. Matter of fact, if I think you're going to hit me, I'm going to hit you first. Do unto others before they do unto you. That was the Berry Hill Code. And so that's not the Christian code. That's not the God nature. And we, so we, we can find ourselves being thankful. We have to address that. And the English language does not help us a lot. The Greek language was much more spectacular, much more clear than our language. For instance, in the Greek language, they didn't just say, I love you. Uh, they, they told you how they loved you. So in, in the Greek language, you would have phileo, eros, uh, agape. So if I were to come up to you and make it very clear, in our world today, if you tell someone you love them, they have to figure out what that really means. I mean, like, are you into me? And woman, if you see a single guy and you say, I love you, you're done. He'll be a stalker. Anyway, so you've got to be careful using those words in the Greek language. If, if someone said, I phileo you, it was very clear. They said, I love you like a friend. That means there's no intimacy involved. I don't want to date you. I don't want to hang out with you now. But you're a friend. And so, girls, I use that word phileo. If a guy says, hey, I love you, say, hey, phileo. <laughs> Keep it chill. <laughs> don't get too close. We're not in the arrows thing here. The arrows is that intimate love, that there's a physical contact. And so the Greeks had it so that there wasn't a misunderstanding. And then uh, agape, you know, was, was a God kind of love. When Jesus and Peter are having this conversation, and, and, you know, when you read the Bible in English, sometimes we really don't get it. Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? And he, Peter said, you know I love you. And Peter, do you love me? You know I love you. <clears throat> Jesus was saying, do you agape me? Peter was saying, I phileo you. 
Jesus was looking for an agape love because he's saying, Peter, will you feed my sheep? And, and Jesus is saying, you know you're my friend, but Jesus is saying, no, I need you to be more than my friend. I need you to love people the way I love people. I need you to agape me. If you agape me, you'll agape the people. So we have to realize in the midst of our world, sometimes what we hear is not what's meant and what we say is not what we mean. So we have to be very, very clear. So if you say, well, I, I am thankful for my wife. You haven't told her in 25 years. She doesn't have a clue. I'm thankful for my husband. I really am. And, and he doesn't know it. We have to realize oftentimes we're thinking things that never come out of our mouths. And that's good sometimes. <laughs> but sometimes withholding gratitude and thanksgiving is very dangerous. As a matter of fact, our access to God begins with thanksgiving. He said, enter my gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. In other words, when we're coming into the presence of God, some people go to God begging. You don't have to beg daddy you don't have to beg God. He, he's a great father. Not one of my kids has ever even asked me if they could go into the pantry. They just do it. It's like locusts have been there when they were young. You know, they, they, if I had something in the refrigerator with my name on it, they automatically assume because they were my kid they could drink it. It's called the faith of a child. And, and, and so we, we have to realize in the midst of those times when somebody, you know, drank that shake that you had saved for yourself. Oh, thank God I have children who don't have a clue. You can be thankful. You can be grateful. And that's what this is. This whole month has been about learning how to wake up every day and communicate what you're thinking, what you're feeling, and sometimes communicate what you're not feeling so that you will feel it. God, I am so thankful that my son or my daughter wrecked the car and they're okay. It's hard, isn't it? You say, that guy's crazy. They're alive. I'm thankful they're alive. We can always find some reason to be grateful. And that is so absolutely important to overcome the things in our lives that weigh us down and hold us back. Gratitude opens the door to the heart of God. Entering his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Jesus actually had this way of doing things where he comes to the grave of Lazarus and Lazarus has been dead for a few days and, and you know, everybody's freaked out and, you know, family's crying and Jesus approaches it and rather than, he says, remove the stone, they remove the stone and Jesus didn't say, now God, I got a lot of people watching me here. We need to make this thing happen. So if I speak to Lazarus, here's what I need you to do. Jesus didn't go into that. He said, Father, in the midst of all of them, I thank you that you always hear me. Before he ever called Lazarus forth, he thanked God. And as we know the story goes, Lazarus come forth, and Lazarus comes out of the tomb in his grave clothes. The people are watching. He said, I did this for the benefit of those here. When you can get thankful in the midst of persecution, in the midst of all of the adversity of life, when you can be thankful, it will change the outcome as much as it will change the atmosphere. Thanksgiving is more than a day of the week found in November. It's a lifestyle. And there are times we feel like everything in the world is going against us. We've all been there. 
There's not one person, as Pastor Mark already said, that, that you know, you think you're different. You're the only one going through the crisis you're going through. And sometimes the, we'll get on the other side of the crisis. It doesn't look quite like we would have liked for it to look. But if you look close enough, you can always find something to be thankful for. All of you are going to have family members probably together at Thanksgiving. And guess what? All of us have that one person in our family. Yeah, everybody knows it too. You know. And, and, and this year, you've got to really plan uh, of how you're going to handle Uncle Bob. Every year he comes, and, and some people get attention that way. The, the whole way they want to get attention is, is to create problems. That's, it's, it's not that they're bad people. They just don't know how to get attention appropriately. And so you can disarm that, but say, I'm so thankful you came this year. You don't feel that, so when you say it, you think you're lying. No, you're exercising faith. I'm thankful you came. God help me here. <laughs> or you can say, I'm thankful for you. That may still be a stretch. So just say, I'm thankful. Just reduce it down. God, I'm, I'm just thankful that in the midst of a great family and one idiot, we're going to have a great, great day. Okay. Real quickly. Worship reveals a submission of, of will. When you are thankful, it's a sign of humility. When you can look at somebody and say, thank you for your help, I wouldn't be the same without you. And it might be somebody who really does annoy you. You can be thankful for them because they're rubbing, rubbing off those rough edges in your life. We've all had those people. And until you can get thankful for them, they're still going to be there. If you have a, a really ridiculous boss, start being grateful. You'll confuse hell. And, and who knows? The boss might get transferred. But, but until you learn the lesson of how to be thankful, sometimes you'll stay right where you are. I used to work for UPS going through college, and, and I, I'd get up at 3 in the morning. I would go either load or unload trucks. I would come home. I would shower. I would change. I would go to college all day. I'd come home at night. I would study, and I would repeat that five days a week. I had no life. And I was just exhausted, and I didn't like it. And, and there was this one guy that, that, that was hired early morning, and this guy was I don't even know how to explain him. I mean, he had the gift of annoyance. It was like a gift. It was the gift of irritation. I mean, he had it all. I mean, he was just, he was a piece of work. And I was complaining to God. I really was complaining to God. And it was like the, God said to me on break one day, he said, you need to invite him to church. I said, God, I don't even want him to go to heaven. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's a stretch. I mean, to sit an hour in church with this guy... It would just, and I mean, I'm complaining to God. God said, you know, until you do, things are not going to change. So I quickly looked at this guy, and here's how I invited him. Hey, you wouldn't want to go to church with me, would you? <laughs> do you feel the power in that? The warmth and the love? You wouldn't want to, would you? And the guy looked at me like nobody had ever invited him to church before. He said, sure, I'd love to. And I went, Dad, come in. <laughs> now i got to spend Sunday with this jerk. Long story short is I take this guy to church and he gets saved. And now I'm really irritated because now I've got to spend eternity with him. <laughs> I went from unloading trucks, trailers, sweaty in the mornings, 18-wheeler, I'm 45-foot, to having, uh, they promoted me right after he went to church with me. I show up next week and they said, hey, we're, we're promoting you to a new position. It was like, if God was human, he'd have gone. 
I told you to do it sooner. <laughs> but it was, it was an act of submission and surrender. Worship is a reflection of, of value, of how you value God and how you value others. Being thankful places a higher value on people. We should learn from our mistakes. We should learn from our past. We should learn from our adversity. We should learn from difficulty. Don't waste sin. Don't waste a difficulty. Don't waste adversity. There's, there's a hidden nugget inside of every adversity. Every difficulty is an opportunity for us to become more like Jesus. All you have to do is look at Christ's life. And the Bible says he learned obedience through the things he suffered. Not through the God he knew. Not through the things he, th- he knew. But he learned obedience through the things he suffered. I'm not suggesting you have to go out and look for suffering. I don't want to. But when suffering comes, there is a lesson inside the suffering that is golden. And you just need to ask God when you're going through that, God, what do you want me to learn through this? Instead of asking God to change the people who are causing the suffering, God, what do you want me to learn through this suffering? What is it you have for me? I want to become a better person. Well, sometimes it really means I'm going to show value to people who don't sense their own value that God values because they're created in his image and his likeness. So, and the third thing is warfare. Worship and gratitude is, is an act of warfare. You may remember the story of Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles when Judah is about to be destroyed by four nations. And, and they're thinking, we're scared to death. And, and, and Jehoshaphat prayed, and God said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to not send out the warriors. I don't want you to send out the fighters. I don't want you to send out the army. I want you to send out those who worship. And he said, if you'll, and it sounds crazy. Can you imagine being a king? You're about to be destroyed. Can you imagine having all these trained soldiers going, let's go fight them? And, and Jehoshaphat says, no, we're going to worship God as we march toward the battle. As they began to worship God and give thanks to God and honor God and value his strength and his power, they're marching toward them. And as they did, the armies turned on themselves. And by the time Judah got to the top of the mountain, they were all destroyed. Let me tell you right now, you don't have to fight the fight the way we think we have to fight it. Our battle is not flesh and blood. Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians. I'm going to close with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. Out of the Amplified, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons, which may be wit, may be sarcasm, it may be being tacky. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons, flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow of destruction of strongholds. If you think you have to fight flesh with flesh and fire with fire, you've missed it. Matter of fact, if you can learn to be thankful and grateful in every circumstance, it will rearrange your life. Things will start shifting. But the minute you think there is not there is not one gift from God called the ministry of correction. We think we have to go around and fix everybody and correct everybody and make everybody right. And that's just not the case. The fact is we need to be thankful. I had a wonderful dad who never saw me play one game that I can recall in my life. Football, basketball, baseball, nothing. I didn't understand it as a kid. It made me question my dad's love for me until I got older and I went, you know what? He was working 16 hours a day. He didn't have time to come and watch me play. And as I got older, I began, rather than being critical of my father who I loved and who loved me the way he knew how, the very best way he knew how, I just started getting thankful that I had a dad. I was thankful that I was able to grow up in a home that believed in God. I was thankful that he did the best he could. You can't ask people to do better than their best. Or otherwise, you will be measured and judged by the same measurement that you're judging them. 
So what happens when we're thankful? It disarms principalities and powers and spirits of darkness. It disarms our flesh. And we can say, I'm just so thankful for what I've had and who I've had. I'm grateful. Be thankful this holiday season. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and mercy, your love that never fails, your grace that is greater than sin, your mercy that triumphs over judgment. God, I'm thankful. I want to ask all of you to pray this prayer with me, those of you watching online and and those of you here that may not know Jesus and those of you who do. Pray this with me so that those who say, I need Jesus with everything in me can... uh, experience a moment with God. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending Jesus, your only son, to die on the cross for me. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today, I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. I confess it, and I declare today I am forgiven. Amen. Well, those of you who prayed that prayer for the very first time online or in here, please text the word SAVED to the following number, 405-500-1310. Just text SAVED to that number, 405-500-1310. We get that. We rejoice with you. We celebrate with you. We're thankful for you. And it's so important for you to do that. What you're saying is, God, thank you for taking a sinner like me without any uh, deserving qualities in my life, without deserving salvation, and giving it to me. It's very important. So text that word to us right now. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.